From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Washington Watch and making us part of your day. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, with just about a week left before current government funding expires, House Republicans are they're struggling to find a united way forward. Look, I, I am a lifelong hardcore conservative. I, I want to get as many policy wins as we can. I want to advance the ball as far as we can. But the reality is we have a small majority. So um, in, a, in a situation like that, you're not going to get everything you want. You, you get what you can get. That was House Speaker Mike Johnson last night walking into a meeting at the Capitol Hill Club. Uh, we're going to get the details on a tentative agreement between House Speaker Mike Johnson and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer from Stephen Moore, economist and senior fellow at FreedomWorks. And then we're going to discuss the even more pressing need for Republican unity. What does that actually look like? Well, one of the issues House conservatives are demanding is action on the border. In fact, that's what they're saying they want on appropriations. But it's not a part of the government funding discussion the border is actually connected to the additional funding for Ukraine. Well, right now, the Senate is very close to an opportunity to finally do something meaningful to address the Biden administration's border crisis. Thanks to our colleague, Senator Langford, we're inching closer to a chance to restore sanity, common sense enforcement mechanisms, and the rule of law. That, of course, would be attached to the supplemental spending bill that provides money to Ukraine. The, uh, that, of course, was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell earlier today. Uh, Kansas Senator Roger Marshall will give us a status report on that effort. We'll also discuss the Biden administration's latest proposed rule change that may leave many foster children without families. Now, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals breathed life into a lawsuit by the state of Missouri against China and its actions during the coronavirus. The court overruled a lower court and said the case accusing China of hoarding masks and other PPE during the pandemic could move forward. We're going to get a reaction on that from Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey later here on Washington Watch. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie made this announcement last night. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for president of the United States. Now, Christie's departure really does not come as a surprise, given his nearly non-existent support. Was Christie's lack of political support connected to his bad policy positions? We're going to talk about that with FRC's Meg Kilgannon later here on Washington Watch. You know, when you look at everything that's going on in our nation today, look around the world. It's obvious that we need the hand of God. We must have a move of God in our day. And we are praying and we are working to that end. On January 31st at the Museum of the Bible, Dr. Jim Garlow and I will host the second national gathering for prayer and repentance. Now, Dr. Garlow is going to join me later to discuss how you, yes, you can be a part of this important event. That's coming up later. Our word for today comes from Genesis chapter 27 as Jacob is deceiving his father Isaac to gain the blessing that belongs to Esau. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down. 
to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be those who bless you. So you might say, what's the big deal about a blessing? Well, the words we speak over our children in the presence of God are shaping and defining statements. The words we speak over our children either bless and affirm them or they curse and tear them down, whether they're intentional or not. Our words are like a loaded gun, having the power to protect and defend when used with diligence and skill or to maim and kill when used carelessly. Speak words that bless over those you love. For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. A border deal that many thought would be put in writing this week has stalled. I'm told from my contacts on the Hill, we may be looking at yet another week before something is put forward. This is holding up potential aid to Israel and Ukraine as well. Among the outstanding issues are the Democrats' opposition to stricter asylum and deportation provisions, as well as the Biden administration's unprecedented use of immigration parole authority. Now, with a record, record, and I know we hear that over and over, but I mean, it is unprecedented. The number of illegal migrants, illegal migrants crossing the border every month. What will it take to get the Democrats on board with a deal to secure the border? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Homeland Security Committee and the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions. Senator Marshall, welcome back to the program and Happy New Year. Tony, Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Wow. I mean, what what a great number of things we've got about talk about tonight. We better hop to it. So let's jump right into it. Can you tell us about the ongoing negotiations with the supplemental spending for Ukraine connected to the border security issue? Yeah. So I think, number one, James Langford, a, a, a man, a God, a manly God, uh, a godly man, excuse me, is doing a great job working his tail off to do everything he can to try to help us secure the border. Just for your, your sake of your listeners, when Republicans talk about this, we talk about this as a national security issue. When my friends across the aisle talk about this, they talk about it as an immigration issue. But I can assure you 10,000 people crossing our border every day is, a, is the number one most immediate threat to our national security. What's holding up the talks right now is the issue of parole. Joe Biden has paroled over one and a half million illegal migrants that have crossed our border. One and a half million. Explain that. Explain that, what that means to our viewers and listeners. Right. So when people cross the border, they they can ask for asylum. There's a whole host of things that they could do. But Joe Biden is saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Here's a work visa. Here's a phone. You don't have to even show up uh, for a court date or, or do anything at all. You are paroled in, indefinitely for all practical purposes. One and a half million people. What the law clearly states is he's supposed to do that on a case-by-case basis, and he's doing that thousands of people at a time. And that's why we should impeach Secretary Mayorkas now, and in 300 days we should fire Joe Biden. And even today, the, the Democrats and President Biden refuse to quantify how much parole we should be using in the future. You know, we think it should be down in the tens of thousands per year, you know, not this 1.5 million people uh, over his last three years. 
Are you confident that we're going to get to a place where a measure is going to pass out of the Senate and go over to the House? You know, I, I, I'm not. You know, but what I'll predict will happen is that the Democrats are going to walk away. They're going to try to make it look like we walked away from the deal, but they're going to walk away from this deal over the parole issue. I that's the last hurdle that we have. I think that uh, that we had, we're in a, James has it to a pretty good place as far as asylum goes. It's not perfect, but I think it's 70, 80 percent where we'd like it to be, uh, and certainly 70, 80 percent better is is better than the current situation. But Tony. I really think that Joe Biden doesn't want to solve this problem. I think he's very happy to have 10, 12, 13,000 people crossing the border every day, hoping that they might pick up an extra congressional seat or two or three. And you look up here in Capitol Hill and two or three seats can make all the difference in the world, let alone a purple state and a Senate Senate seat. Well, I I spoke to Senator Langford over the weekend um, about the bill, and he was giving me the, the, the progress, and it sounded like it was moving forward and it was a reasonable approach. If the Democrats walk away from this after these good faith efforts from Republicans to solve this problem, at least provide a way forward, I, mean, I, I think the only action, the only uh, uh, probably solution in the House that they're going to see conservatives will be to shut the government down. Because if there's no way to address this border crisis, I think they're going to use extreme measures. I, I think it's very, very possible. I think even without this issue, it's going to be hard for Speaker Johnson to find something to that's going to work on the House side. He has, what, one or two votes to play with. I think he has the hardest job in the world right now trying to manage that caucus. Um, it, 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 we are truly between a rock and a hard place. What are we spending, $10 billion a day on interest, $34 trillion in debt? Uh, your listeners know the story. There's just no extra money floating around here, and we're all feeling this pressure. We're feeling the financial press pressure of a government that's that's uh, financially broke, as well as this chaos and this crisis at the border, all coming to fruition at the same point in time. So we may have a government shutdown. I could see a CR happening and uh, maybe, Tony, you're a better predictor than I am. Well, I think if the House, if, if, if the Republicans are not allowed to address the border issue in this supplemental bill, if it does not go forward in this, they're going to have to find a measure to do that. It may be the CR. Uh, and, and that's just going to it's going to really gum things up even more so than it, that they are right now in the, the House. I, I want you mentioned Secretary uh, Mayorkas earlier this week. You led a no confidence resolution uh, on to in the Senate regarding his failed leadership in the Department of Homeland Security. That, that, that's right. So what we offered on the Senate floor was a vote of no confidence in Secretary Mayorkas. Look, he's derelict in his job. He has broken his oath. Uh, he, he refuses to 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 execute the law of the land that the, that the Fence Act of of um, 2006, I believe, requires him to maintain operational control of the border. And there's no one in, in this country that thinks he has operational control of the border. And I mentioned earlier he broke the the law as far as how to handle the parole situation. So I think because of all those reasons. There should be a vote of no confidence from the Senate. Now, the impeachment has to start over on the House side. But my hope was the night before their proceeding started, we put some wind beneath themselves. And I think it's important your listeners also 
helpful to know that public opinion also helps drive the momentum yeah. of an impeachment hearing. So public opinion is important. And we were trying to help get that message out of exactly why Mayorkas is incompetent, why he's derelict in his duties, why he should be impeached. Yeah, I think you're absolutely uh, right that continuing to talk about it, educate the public is extremely important. We only have about a minute left, Senator, but you led a coalition of Republican senators reacting to a uh, proposed rule from the Biden administration that would affect foster parents and essentially could make foster children homeless. Explain. Yeah. Yeah, Tony, uh, can you believe we have an administration that wants to make it impossible for Christian families, for families of faith to to uh, have a foster child or to adopt a child? So the latest bomb that this Biden administration has dropped has said, unless you agree to participate in their gender identity um, facade game and confirm uh, that situation that they would not allow you to to have a foster child or to adopt a child. Who would have thought, Tony, we met each other seven years ago. I knew that you were going to be a person to help me fight for our family values. This administration has done crazy things like uh, encouraging men to breastfeed. They want to take away school lunches if you don't let boys participate in girls sports. And now this one, if you don't confirm to their woke agenda right. um, and gender identity, then you cannot participate in the program. They're and, coming after Christians like you and me. And they're hurting the children. That's, this is ultimately hurting children who need homes, loving homes. It, it's, it's outrageous. Senator Roger Marshall, I want to thank you for leading on Capitol Hill on these important issues, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. Always good to be with you. All right, Senator. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. By the way, our poll question this week has to do with immigration. And uh, love to know what you think. Text the word poll to 67742. That's the word poll to 67742. All right, stick with us. We're coming back. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. 
It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, if you'd like to take our poll question for the week regarding immigration, just text the word poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742, and you'll get a link to that poll question. And uh, actually, Jody's going to share the results of that tomorrow. Yesterday, federal judges with the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the state of Missouri can sue China for unlawful actions during the COVID pandemic including the hoarding of personal protective equipment. Now, any lawsuit moving forward, according to the judges, must prove that China leveraged the world's ignorance about COVID-19 by manipulating the world PPE uh, market, the worldwide PPE market. Joining me now to uh, discuss this is Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. General Bailey, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me on. So let me get your reaction. A favorable decision for the state of uh, Missouri, in part by the court yesterday. Absolutely. This is an important first step. And holding the Chinese Communist Party responsible for inflicting such disaster as this pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, on the people of the United States and specifically on the people of the state of Missouri, we know that they had cornered the market on certain supplies necessary to respond to the pandemic and then hoarded those supplies and deprived the American public and policymakers at the state level from access to those goods. So it's like they've created a demand and then control the supply. I mean, these are central tenets of the uh, communist uh, economic philosophy, and certainly they were exercised to the detriment uh, of Missourians, and it caused it was there was a death toll associated with it. So we're going to fight to hold the Chinese Communist Party responsible. Uh, this is this is not easy to do because of federal law, the Foreign Sovereign. Uh, Immunities Act really protects foreign actors from uh, lawsuits from here in the United States. So how do you see this going forward and what could be the action? How could we recoup any money from China? Well, we're going to go back to the district court and put on the evidence we have. We're continuing to put that together now, and we're going to make the case. I mean, look, again, we know that they hoarded uh, PPE supplies that were absolutely necessary in uh, the government's response to the pandemic, and American lives were lost in, in the process. And so holding them accountable is important. I think the way we do that is by identifying assets that the Chinese Communist Party possesses here in the United States and specifically in Missouri. And those could be targets for asset forfeiture once we get a judgment uh, favorable to the state and adverse to the Chinese Communist Party. 
Well, they have a lot of assets here in the United States. It seems to be increasing even as they buy up farmland, manufacturing, and, uh, and, and other things. So it shouldn't be too hard to find something owned by the Chinese Communist Party that's here in the United States. Uh, I, I want to switch gears because you testified on Capitol Hill yesterday in the Homeland Security Committee's impeachment hearing of Homeland Security's, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And I actually want to play a clip of that. Play clip number three. The southern border is absolutely not secure, and this is far beyond a crisis at this point. Similarly, it is not secure, and we have a crisis. General Brahman, uh, General Bailey, the border is not secure in the crisis of historically epic proportion. That was a question uh, that you, along with some of your uh, attorneys general from other states, uh, addressed from Michael Guest. Um, What was your reaction to the hearing yesterday? Do you you think the message was delivered that this border crisis on the southern border is impacting the entire nation? Yeah, Tony, I think that's right. I think that I'm amazed that the debate has shifted. Even the Democrats now concede that Secretary Mayorkas has created a disaster at our southern border of epic proportion by refusing to enforce the laws as written, refusing to use the tools at its disposal to reduce illegal border crossings. And it's turned every state into a border state, certainly has made Missouri less state safe. We know that uh, more than 1,500 people died in one year from fentanyl overdoses, fentanyl that flooded across the southern border. We know that 43 children, innocent victims, were killed due to accidental exposure to fentanyl uh, because of the porous southern border. We know that Missouri is now the fourth uh, most frequent state for human trafficking. And these are deplorable conditions that are completely the making of Secretary Mayorkas's failed policies at the southern border. Glad to see Congress is going to hold him accountable and is moving in that direction. You are confident, based upon your statements, that his lack of leadership, his failures, has risen to the level of demanding an impeachment. That's absolutely right. And again, it it amazed me that the debate has shifted. Even the Democrats will concede that there's an enormous problem here, and it's it's wreaking havoc on communities across the United States of America. So the, the question is no longer whether or not the border is secure. The question now is, what do we do about it? And I think our entire justice system lacks credibility if we're not willing to enforce the laws as written. Certainly, Secretary Mayorkas is not enforcing laws at the southern border, but there is a law, uh, an impeachment process available to hold him accountable. And that'll restore some modicum of credibility to the system. And I would also point out that, you know, really the central question before the House committee at this point is, does Secretary Mayorkas' behavior rise to the level of an impeachable offense? And I would point out that under the English common law that was well understood by the founders at the time of the framing of the United States Constitution, a complete abdication of a public official's uh, duties and responsibilities constituted a high crime and misdemeanor. And that's what we see along the southern border from Secretary Marcus is a complete abdication of his both moral and legal responsibilities to protect the American people. Well, General, I mean, it's obvious he's just carrying out the wishes of his boss. I mean, he works for the president of the United States. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, we we see that uh, case in point and his refusal to build the border wall. Within the first week of President Biden taking office, he issued an executive order saying he was not going to build a border wall. Now, that's after, in 2006, as a senator, he voted for the Secure Fences Act. So he conceded in his vote that that, uh, barriers work along the border, but then uh, issued an executive order contrary to that previous position. And the problem was that the fiscal year 2020 budget required Secretary Mayorkas to build 
additional border walls. We've had to sue him because he refuses to do that. If he wasn't going to carry out the laws and couldn't figure out how to reconcile his boss's position with his legal obligation, then he should have taken the job in the first place. Well, this, and it, bottom line, this comes down to elections have consequences. Either you have people who will uphold the law, abide by it, or those who ignore it and try to, to tear it down. Uh, General Bailey, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. All the best to you. All right. Thanks so much. The uh, Again, if you'd like to take our poll question on the border, text poll to 67742. By the way, speaking of impeachments uh, in uh, congressional action yesterday, we had two committees, and I, I gave out the wrong numbers. The Judiciary Committee uh, voted to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress by 23 to 14. The Oversight Committee by a vote of 25 to 21, also voting right in the final hour program yesterday to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress for not showing up. All right. On the other side of the break, the National Gathering of Prayer and Repentance. Time for leaders of our nation to call upon the Lord in prayer and repentance. Well, that's coming back January 31st at the Museum of the Bible. We'll talk about it next with Dr. Jim Garlow. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Thursday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All it takes is a, you know, a glance at the headlines, or if you happen to walk by the TV and you, you hear it. Uh, look, America is a nation where too many have turned their eyes away from God, and the evidence is all around us as the result. I mean, it's, um, we need a breakthrough. 
We are a nation that needs to repent of its sins, pray to God for healing and restoration. Well, last year, Dr. Jim Garlow and I organized the first gathering. It was a national gathering for prayer and repentance at the Museum of the Bible. Didn't know what to expect, but I will tell you what, it was one of the most impactful events that I've been involved in in our nation's capital in 20 years. And I continue to hear that from members of Congress who were there. The the House Speaker at the time, Kevin McCarthy, was there. He prayed along with uh, about two dozen members of Congress. And it was actually organized by Dr. Garlow and I, along with Mike Johnson, who is now the Speaker. He's going to be there as well. This year, it's a little expanded because we're, we're praying not only for the United States, but we're going to be praying for a number of other countries, including Israel, with a special emphasis uh, on Israel. And this year's event will occur on Wednesday, January the 31st at the Museum of the Bible. You can find out more by going to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over. We'd love to have you there in person, but there's also an opportunity for you to join if you can't make it to D.C. In fact, if you would like to be a part of it, just text the word PRAYER to 67742. That's 67742, and I'll text you some information. Joining me now to talk about this is Dr. Jim Garlow, founder and CEO of Well-Versed and a longtime friend of mine. Jim, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you. It's so good being with you, Tony. Thank you. So let's talk about first last year's event and why there is a second event. You know, just because you do an event one year doesn't necessarily mean it's coming back. But there were some results that came from last year that was Frankly, we're stirring. I suppose the shortest answer would be God showed up, which is precisely what we wanted. Uh, So the people can understand the event and the way it's put together. We make very little about introducing people. Their names may be on the screen. Uh, We don't allow any applause because they'll be applauding for someone who maybe spoke or shared something. And so applause is only at the end and it's for God. We... Uh, don't allow people to preach or teach or give talks. Uh, They're to pray. And the prayers need to be prayers of repentance. And so consequently, that's why I think the Lord honored it. It wasn't about any persons, any personalities, any celebrities, etc. It was really about repenting before a holy and just God for personal sin, for sin in the church, and for America's sin. And, and I ask people, and Tony and I work together on this, we ask people to prepare their hearts to come into that, treat it like the altar of the Lord, treat it like it was the Holy of Holies that we were walking into, and prepare themselves for this moment. Well, people only had one minute to pray, so it wasn't very long. But they took it seriously. And because of that, it seems that God really showed up, honored this effort. People began openly weeping before the Lord in contrition and brokenness and humility before an almighty God. And so we're asking once again, people to come with that spirit. We're a nation in desperate need of the Lord. There's no assurance that this country we've enjoyed for 200 plus years is going to be around forever. We're asking God to forgive us our sins and to bring us in right relationship with him so we can enjoy the blessings of the Lord, not the judgment, discipline, and curses that we bring upon ourselves by disobedience. So to, this year is another critical time. And as you mentioned, members of Congress, quite a few members of Congress will be leading in just one minute prayers, but their prayers, it's all verticals, to God, to God, to right. God. 
first repentance, and then we go to other countries of the world as other people are coming and praying the same way for their nation. You and I haven't even had a chance to catch up because we've been so busy, but just I, I, I text uh, probably about two dozen members of Congress, uh, you know, inviting them to come and be a part of it. And, and most of them within minutes responded saying, yes, I want to be there. I want because they were those many were there last year. Others heard about it. And there is an urgency. There's a sense of urgency for prayer and repentance in our country. I mean, as you said, this is a critical year. So w- how can people find out more about this? Uh, again, what's the website best for FRC? We have two different organizations co-sponsoring it. Well versus one. I could give that site. But uh, you want to give the uh, well. It's, you episode. go to TonyPerkins.com, and we've got a link right there on it that will take us to uh, take you to the website. And there's information about how to get tickets. We still have a few tickets left, but I tell you, they are going fast. But yes. uh, Jim, people will have a chance to join us that morning online across the country because we want prayer groups, literally in churches across the nation, to be involved in this. So it's not just about DC. This has to spread all around the country, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I, I, I just the kind of people that are going to be drawn to this are people who have a sense of urgency that's been given to them by the Spirit of God, put on their hearts, and they realize exactly where we are as a nation, how far we have gone, how, how close we are to going over the cliff and, and the destruction of our republic and the freedoms that we've known. It. And so this is a time of, of truly seeking God, self-examination first, but then coming before God on behalf of our nation. We encourage you to pray with us. We'd be so honored to have you join us online that morning, January 31, Washington, D.C., Museum of the Bible. All right, Dr. Jim Garlow, if I don't see you before, I'll see you there. Okay, sounds good, Tony. Thank you. What a joy to partner with. Thank you for all your support you have given to this. It's been it's been quite stunning. I'm so, it's an honor to partner with you, Tony. Well, same here. Appreciate you, Jim, and looking forward to seeing what God is going to do this year. So it's uh, PrayDC.org or text the word prayer, prayer to 67742, and you'll be up to date. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. 
Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, and it's good to have you along. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, here's our uh, poll question. We were talking about the immigration issue. Well, that's our question for the week. You can text poll to 67742 to participate. And here it is. On the topic of immigration, what does the Bible say is the overriding concern of the civil government? Prioritize protecting citizens, empathizing with the plight of migrants, a combination of both. Let us know what you think. Text poll to 67742. All right, with the first deadline for a government shutdown rapidly approaching, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson continues uh, spending negotiations with Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer and the White House. Now, remember that uh, Mike, and I was talking with him this morning, he's got a two-seat margin, and then he's up against Chuck Schumer, who has control of the Senate and the White House, the president. So, I mean, he's like in a corner, and he's fighting to get the best he can. Well, the framework of a potential deal, which Speaker Johnson recently presented his Republican colleagues, eliminates bloated omnibus spending packages, which is going to happen if we don't get something through, cuts billions from side deals, and allows the fight for more conservative wins to continue. However, there are a lot of conservatives who are not happy. Now, the question is, is it a bad deal or is it the best deal possible? Joining me now to discuss this, Stephen Moore. He's a distinguished fellow in economics at the Heritage Foundation and a senior economist at Freedom Works. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Tony. So tell me, um, is, is this a bad deal or is it the best deal the speaker can get? Well, Tony, you're going to have very, very few people on your show who want to cut government spending more than I do. <laughs> so let's get that straight. I think that we've got the most uh, we've got a fiscal psychopath in the White House. And what Biden has done to our country in the last uh, three years with the six trillion dollars of additional debt, the fact that we've ha- we've not we're now at thirty four trillion dollar national debt. And by the way, Tony, I think you know this, but I want to make sure your uh, your viewers and listeners understand this. If If he gets in again, he wants to take the debt to over 50 trillion. So to me, 
am I, am I going to sing hallelujah over this deal? No, I, no. I am not. I think there's a lot of problems with it, but I think we have to be smart here. I I think what we need to do as conservatives is I'm not in favor of a government shutdown right now because I think it takes in the, uh, the eye off the ball. The eye has to be on the Democrats who have who are bankrupting our country. And these little skirmishes now aren't going to make any difference if we don't get Joe Biden and Chucky e. Schumer out of out of the power uh, centers that they have right now. So I want to I want the American people to know, yes, we have a bloated budget. Yes, we are on the verge of a bankrupting of our country. And the only way, Tony, in my opinion, to prevent that from happening is to get these people out of office. Right. I mean, the, the bottom line, it's elections. Elections have consequences on mm-hmm. policies, on spending, on everything. But when you look at the current situation, and you know, and, and my, my viewers and listeners know that uh, that I'm, I'm friends with Mike. He's on the program mm-hmm. a, a lot. Yeah. Um, but I even defended some of McCarthy's efforts to move the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. I do not think that we win by burning the the the, the, the system down. I think we got to change it. But if 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 we just refuse to do anything, we're, it's not going to work. Uh, I, I agree with that. I mean, but there are some times, you know, like when Newt Gingrich was uh, going up against Bill Clinton, when, you know, uh, they came to loggerheads and, and a shutdown of the government was the only way to move forward. I just don't think this is the time for that. I think the media and the, the, everybody would be against the Republicans. You know, we don't normally win these fights, as you know, you've been in these battles as I have for a long time. Um, you know, look, I think the speaker did about as well as he could. Let's not forget. I mean, you I want to restate what you said. The Republicans have a three seat, seat majority right now, a functional three seat majority out of 435. They don't have the Senate and they don't have the presidency. So we're not going to be able. Unfortunately, we're not. The, the reality is we're not going to be able to drive budget policy uh, with those narrow margins and the Democrats controlling two thirds of the power. Uh, Schumer. And here, here's another point. I want to again. I want to make people clear about this. Joe Biden not only has he spent six trillion dollars, he has basically has proposed no spending cuts whatsoever. None. Now, I, I I want to say I see a scenario where a government shutdown might be the might, might be a, a, an appropriate a, a position sure. to take if. For instance, right, we were talking earlier in the program that the Senate now is uh, is you know slow walking this supplemental bill that has the border protections. I do think that if it comes down to it, we should have a fight over the border, and if we whatever we have to attach it to, whether it's a CR, whether it's a supplemental, uh, whether it's a, whatever it might be, I do think that's that's a fight worth having. Well, you know, that's one of those 80 to 20 issues where 80 percent of Americans are with you and me and, uh, you know, Mike Johnson and the Republicans on that one. Nobody can make heads or tails out of what this president is doing on the on the on the immigration issue. And I'm, I'm very pro immigration. But, my God, you've got to you've got to have a border. You've got to have you, you. We don't know whether criminals are coming in, drug dealers, terrorists, people with medical conditions. That That is no way to run a country. And by the way, I think you. You've seen what happened in New York. People are so infuriated by right. this that they have to close down the schools to house the illegal immigrants. I mean, how crazy is this? Right. So, so to your point about keeping your eye on the issue is if the Republicans preemptively shut down government with, you know, just by not negotiating over something that people just don't understand, 
it is going to backfire. But if they push the issue, and, and I've had this conversation with the speaker, and they, and they, 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 they are pushing on the, 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 the border issue and that battle, which he wants to have. He just can't get the Senate to get the bill over there to him. That's one I, I think you're absolutely right. The American people will be with them. Uh, there's no doubt. And, you know, as I said, these are, I mean, look, the American people want us to cut the budget. I, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent. Everyone knows, Tony, in their hearts that what we're doing is unethical, unconstitutional. And, uh, and as an economist, I have to say this. If we continue to do this and we had this, this budget for $50 trillion of debt, the train is going to go over the cliff. So this is a serious as a heart attack. Now, Steve, as you mentioned, last question, you and I have been around for a while, and, uh, you know, we we've, conservatives have a lot of different opinions, and it's one thing. I, I like to use the analogy that Paul uses in the New Testament about the, the body of Christ. It's one body but many members, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we can we can see things differently. We can approach them differently, but we shouldn't be beating up our own body. I mean, can't we? Isn't unity kind of important? Kind of, yeah. I mean, and look— some of my best friends and people who I highly respect and work for don't like this. And fine, reasonable people can disagree. But let's not call people sellouts and, and that kind of thing. This is not a sellout. This is a t- tactical decision about how we can uh, take back power. Look, you put, you know, as you know, I work with Donald Trump. I'm his economic advisor. I guarantee you, we put him back in the office. We're going to get the economy moving. We're going to get the budget under control. We're going to, obviously, the border situation. Uh, so, It's going to take new leadership. That's the bottom line. Bottom line. Well said. Steve Moore, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you. All right. Stephen Moore, as he said, uh, one of the economic advisors to the president and uh, been around a long time, used to be at the Club for Growth, solid conservative, knows the fiscal issues. All right. Speaking of policy, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie suspended his presidential campaign yesterday after failing to gain traction among GOP primary voters. Now, Christie levied the harshest attacks on former President Donald Trump of any of the Republican candidates this cycle. And he also showed himself out of step with conservative voters due to his comments on life, marriage and the issues of LGBTQ. Now, I think the reason he got out, he didn't have any traction, no political support because of his bad policies. I think this tells us a lot about where Republican voters are today. Joining me now to discuss this, Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. She served in the Department of Education during the Trump administration. Meg, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. So let's talk about uh, Chris Christie uh, making his exit. No big surprise. But was there a connection to his lack of political support to his weak policy positions? I think so. I mean, most of the American people don't think that we should sexually mutilate minors, that that it's not possible to be born in the wrong body and that you cannot change your sex, right? And so there's no reason to let children make those kinds of decisions, um, even if some parents are going along with that. So, you know, wrong there he is. Uh, and then on on life, you know, um, it's really been sad. He had the reputation when he was governor of New Jersey of being a pro-life governor, right? And um, 
but he certainly has lost that credential now with his comments during this campaign, as have others. And so, you know, he, he was not good on issues that Americans care about. And, you know, the, the simple fact of the matter is that that former President Trump is incredibly popular right now with the American people. And and no one is going to be overtake going to be able to overtake him at this point. And so I guess the donors class that is interested in stopping President Trump from being on the ticket ha- has to they have to rethink some of their their uh, people that they're funding and. um Governor Christie is one of the first casualties. Well, I mean, you you kind of went down the list of where he positions he took. He, he was never a bastion of conservatism when he was uh, governor of New Jersey, but he's been dismissive of the SAFE Act, something we've been working on across the country. Twenty-two states have those that protects children from these experimental surgeries and drugs. He's, eh, you know, parents ought to have a right to be able to, you know, allow their children to be mutilated, so on and so forth. He he. But most recently was his position on on marriage, his evolving position on marriage. Play clip number eight. I don't have any objection to it any longer. Um, In the end, I think I've been convinced. And, you know, that's part of being a thinking, breathing human being, I hope, is that you can hold certain opinions at one time and hold them genuinely. And I did. But over time, look, I you know, this past week or two. You know, Pope Francis is now allowing, you know, blessings of same-sex couples. Even the church is changing. You know, we go back to the uh, the 70s and 80s, early 80s, uh, where, you know, Ronald Reagan being pro-life was like an anomaly among Republican presidential candidates. Right. In the 2016 cycles of the 17 candidates, only one was not pro-life. Uh, that issues, I mean, that, that that's decided among Republican voters. We're also seeing the issue of marriage. Even though the courts have ruled, you still see the Republicans holding to the understanding of natural marriage. They're pro-life. They're parental rights. They support that. And now this transgender thing. Uh, and, of course, I didn't mention that Chris Christie attacked uh, Ron DeSantis over Disney and his position of holding them accountable for getting involved in their poli- in the, in the state's policies in promoting their wokeness. I mean, so he he really was on the wrong side of everything. He was, and I guess the people who are funding his campaign support those positions. But I'm gratified to be reassured, as we both already knew, the American people are not there, right? They are not in agreement with these with these pretty radical positions on these on these uh, policies. Well, it's just I, not going to play well with the electorate. No, and I think he probably has uh, plenty of time now to go down to Disney and uh, you know, he can uh, ride on that little ride. It's a small world after all. You know, those who have these views that are inconsistent uh, with the party platform and Republican voters, it's a small world after all. Isn't that right? Let's hope it gets smaller. Well, that's up to the voters. And that's why it's so important that they turn out and vote and vote with an educated, cast an educated vote. Meg Kilgannon, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. Well, folks, uh, now we've got the primary season beginning. In fact, next Monday, Iowa will hold their caucuses. So if you're in Iowa, it's a chance to do 
just what needs to be done, and that is express yourself at the ballot box, at the caucus in this case, and of course then New Hampshire, South Carolina, and that just rolls across the country. You need to be registered and you need to vote. Pray, vote, stand. We need to be praying for our nation. We're going to do that on January the 31st, and I invite all of you to join with me. In fact, text the word prayer to 67742, and I will uh, alert you to how you can be a part online and join us on January the 31st for that time of prayer. So we need to be praying, and we need to be voting. I mean, just what we've covered today in this program, these policies, the Biden administration going after foster care agencies in the state, forcing them to embrace the LGBTQ agenda. I mean, there. That, that parents who would be foster parents have to call these the, the kids that want to use a different pronoun. They've got to play along with this. They've got to do the make-believe. And they've got to facilitate what is a lie and harm children, or they cannot be foster parents. This is wrong, folks. But it is the direct outcome of elections. And as Steve was just saying, we're $34 trillion in debt. And the Biden administration, if they have their way, will take us to 50. Elections have consequences. You need to pray. You need to vote. And then ultimately, you need to stand. Regardless of what the outcome may be, you and I have to have the courage to stand for what we know is true. And how do we know what's true? We know the Word of God. And as believers, we need to stand on that word of God. That's why I invite you to join us in our journey through the Bible so that you will have the confidence to stand firm for truth. And that is what I leave you with on this Thursday afternoon. What the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.